Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Purchase Podcast. We are kicking off season two with Steve Erdell from Word Nerds. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, gentlemen. Lovely to see you. Good stuff. And joining myself today is Justin from Purchit. Uh First things first, guys, I'm going to ask a question to Justin. When did you first meet Steve and what was your first impressions of him? Yeah, for me, I, I, I can't remember when, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I, I believe my first line to you was, could you carry me like a baby or something like that? <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's absolutely accurate. And obviously, how could a friendship not blossom from that? Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Thanks, Stephen. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Let's go way back. When did your business journey sort of start? What was the first sort of job that you had and where did it go from there? Oh, great question. Um, so, yeah, so I, um, when I first came to the Northeast, um, I worked at Newcastle Uni. Um, and uh, towards the end of my time there, um, I, I had a couple of um, kind of big challenges, I suppose, with, with mental health. Um, I'd, my two amazing children had recently been born and I felt like a lot of, lot of pressure on myself um, and didn't feel like I wanted to work in a big organization anymore. It felt like um, there was that, that kind of was, was, was too much for me to, to kind of take at that time. So I decided to um, uh, kind of go freelance at that point. Um, I ended up becoming, because um, uh, I'd been um, studying literature at the uni and um, uh, I, I, I discovered this kind of sort of new way or something new way to me uh, of looking at literature which was um, something called concordance linguistics, which is basically finding patterns in large quantities of text. Um, I got really into this. I got really excited about the possibility of it. It was about, you know, um, you know, you take, for example, a group of Victorian ghost stories and you'd look at um, what makes, what's the textual fingerprint of one writer of, you know, what, how, what, how does M.R. James's text differ from everybody else that was writing ghost stories at that time? Um, and as I was sort of thinking about, you know, I want to go and work for myself. I don't want to be working in a big organization, organization anymore. I started to think about that process and that kind of finding what's unique and special about one set of writing compared to all the other sets of writing. That's kind of the purpose of business communication or certainly of, uh, of Marcoms. And I, so I kind of, I started out by, um, thinking there must be some kind of business application for this sort of stuff that I'm learning about. Um, and because it was the world I knew, I started by um, taking a stack of uni prospectuses. So just um, find, got all the prospectuses I could get my hands on that year, put them through the same process that um, the team at Newcastle were putting the ghost stories through, um, and then went to, you know, essentially went to Durham Uni and said, are you interested in what, how you differ from Newcastle Uni and so on and so forth. And, um, and became a kind of freelance, a freelance linguist, I suppose, um, which was, uh, um, you know, every bit as glamorous and jet set as that sort of title implies. But I worked with quite a lot of, of, of big unis, didn't really know what to do next, didn't really know where to go from there. Um, uh, and at that point, I'd, um, I'd hired a little office and I shared it with a couple of other kind of sole trader types. Um, it was called the zoo. It was an incredibly special time in my life. Um, and one of them 
um, suggested I get in touch with this guy who I think you guys know, this guy Pete Dakin, who was um, who at the time was uh, ran a very successful um, creative and digital agency called Dakin and Story. Um, and I went and met with him. Um, I think one of the the uh, people I was sharing office with, he uh, uh, she I was married to a guy who worked for, worked with Pete. Um, and I went in and we kind of showed him what I was doing. He was like, this is interesting. Showed it to a couple of his clients who were like, this is interesting, but we don't have the budget right now or whatever. Um, and I kind of just petered out. Um, and then one day I was kind of leaving work and um, uh, Jess, my kind of my, my roomie in the office, um, said, uh, got a phone call. I just, I was leaving and went, uh, it's for, it's for you. Um, and gave, gave me her phone and it was Pete. Um, and he'd just been at the first day of a two day, um, uh, hackathon at Nissan. And they were looking at, they were trying to find ways of, um, uh, finding people who've had issues with their cars and how you go about finding the two or three tweets a day that are a problem with a new Nissan car in amongst the 3000 or so tweets an hour um that uh mentioned nissan or one of its brands so people buying and selling cars or news stories about nissan or oh some clown in nissan just cut me off at the lights how do you get rid of all that um noise so you can just uh, uh find the issues and, and 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 jump on them straight away um and you couldn't do that through the 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 keyword matching that was around at the time you couldn't do it through sentiment matching because obviously there are any number of ways that you might use the those words. Um, and so Pete and I started to talk about um, structure of language and how that, um, how there might be answers there. If we could break down the language, we could start to look at the jobs, the words we're doing in the sentence. Um, we went into this on the next day, pitched um, this kind of half-ass idea. We'd, we'd been up in, in the evening putting together. Um, Nissan liked it. They gave us a bit of seed money. Um, and that was the start of word nerds which has since then grown into a um uh, uh a kind of a, a startup it's um uh, we we have 20 people working 20 or so people working for us at the moment um and uh we um work with a, a, a wide range of, of, of large organizations um so i kind of i kind of left the uni in order to um not work in a in an organization anymore and then this kind of organization kind of sprung up around me and I couldn't be happier. So I don't have any tech experience. I was, I was, um, at the time I was using a variety of software in order to, to do that. It wasn't, um, it wasn't manual, but there was quite a lot of manual intervention that was needed. It was quite a lot of that. And a lot of what we've, um, a lot of what we started to look at was how you go about automating that stuff. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, the, the, the people that we started working with brought in their ideas and their kind of ways in which this might work. And we started to bring in um, the, the, this was kind of, this we kind of coincided really nicely with the kind of explosion of um, natural language processing as, a, as an area of AI. Um, so using the kind of the big neural networks that the likes of Google and Facebook were building. Um, and so now what we've got is something that unites um, those kind of uh, linguistic methods around the structure of language alongside the um, uh, these huge data science solutions. 
Um, and I think that's where, that's what I find really exciting about what we do now is I, there's no way in the world that I could have built our solution. And nobody could have, there's, there's, there's no one person that knows how everything in WordNerds works. It's about that um, intersection of um, areas of interest and disciplines and areas of expertise that I think is really exciting in this area and across kind of tech and across startup, I suppose. Man, I mean, no, my, my, my five-year plan was to still be earning enough money to, um, uh, to look after my family. That was, that was what, um, that was my goal. Um, uh, I, I wasn't, um, I, I, I never saw myself as a tech founder. Like I say, I was, I was, I was more about the kind of discipline, the methodology stuff. Um, Pete kind of had to talk me into it a little bit in, in, in terms of, um, cause like I say, you know, going back into that kind of environment where, um, uh, where people were relying on me and where, um, people were trusting me with, and we, we were working together on stuff that, that felt scary at the time. Um, so yeah, no, it absolutely wasn't. I mean, I think the, 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 the way in which it developed, I think nobody could have predicted. Um, and I haven't really gone into to this yet, but it, our kind of, um, our journey towards getting VC funding was also something that I was, um, that, that I, I don't think we could have predicted because as I think you guys know, um, we went for funding from Northstar, an amazing, um, Northeast based, uh, venture capital company. Um, and they were like, and at the time, you know, this was something I was kind of sitting in the corner of Pete's agency, um, with a, an amazing developer, Hugh Volpe. Um, and, uh, we were kind of playing about with this, um, this new kind of word nerds idea while the, while the agency was, was, was really operational. Um, and Pete and I would do a bit of selling and Hugh and I would sit and, um, and, and work out what we wanted to do. Um, and we got to the point where we were like, this is, this is becoming, this is something that, that could be big. We kind of, we, we realized what the potential was. So we went to Northstar to get some funding and, and, and they were like, this is really great and we'd love to invest in it, but you are, you know, uh, Pete was running essentially two businesses at the time. He was running his agency and he was running word nerds. I was doing bits and bobs of, um, uh, freelance stuff still. And, um, they said, if, you know, if you're not going for this all in, then, then, then why would we, um, and unbeknownst to me, Pete, after consultations with, um, a bunch of people at, at Dick and story went back to North star and said, if we, um, just close down the agency now, will you, will you give us more money? Uh, which is, yeah, and, and you know, a really big profitable agency and this kind of weird little idea that was kind of a couple of people working on in the corner of the room. Um, and that was obviously a really kind of painful process in a lot of ways and some, uh, cause it meant that we had to kind of say goodbye to some really great people. Um, Pete was an, an Angela, our, our other co-founder, um, who was also a director of taking story. Uh, they were really amazing in terms of no one is going to miss a day's pay. So anybody who leaves taking a story is going to go straight into another job and all taking stories, customers are going to be looked after, um, until their projects are finished. But what that did mean was that it meant that we could, we, we could bring across the best people from taking a story to come and work at WordNerds. So we went from three to 12 people overnight and that, you know, three to 12, that's a, that's a huge, cause you know, a bunch of people aren't going to work out. A few people are going to come and go and that kind of thing. And we were kind of given this kind of, you know, 
on a silver platter this team who all knew each other, who all liked each other, and who we knew were all good. So it was this amazing kind of we, we got so lucky with our kind of with our with that kind of process. But again, that the the Wordner's becoming this you know um, this this startup. It, it we were we were very much kind of like we got this kind of seed funding from this end, and we're like where could this go? And gradually, as we saw it develop. Um, it went beyond what certainly what I could imagine. I think Pete's got a slightly better imagination than me, but uh, um, I think I think from from that perspective, uh, I think if you'd asked me five years ago, this would have been a bit of a far fetched kind of idea. No, that's such a great story, and you touched a bit on the culture there, and I would like to get a bit more into the culture of word nerds. But I think one question for me is, how did you come up with the name, and was there any other names considered? That's a brilliant question. Um, yes, uh, we. So I, I gave Pete a list of um, of names that I was kind of thinking about um, when I was. I don't know if you remember uh, uh, this, um, but when I was um, kind of freelancing, I, I kind of called myself the word nerd. You know, you, you try and think of something that will kind of catch people's people's imagination. So, so I had word nerds on the list, but all the other things were like you know syntactic and verbatim and all this kind of thing um and i sometimes wake up in a cold sweat imagining what would it would have been if we'd chosen one of those names and i think it is it is kind of an area of or we try to make it kind of an area of difference for us because a lot of our competitors have that kind of name they're all kind of you know synthesio and all that sort of thing um and and i think it's interesting because i think a lot of people do try and make this stuff sound really complicated um and we wanted to cut through that. We wanted to be um, an organization that did difficult stuff, but tried to make it as easy as possible for our users. I think um, there's an old, I, I think it's Stephen Fry. I might be misquoting him, apologies if I am, but um, it says, oh, there's, there's two kinds of smart people. There are smart people who make you feel stupid, and there are smart people who make you feel smart. And I think we've, we've always wanted to be the latter. Um, and I think that that's, part of what we try and do is to try and demystify all this artificial intelligence stuff and make it so that you don't need a degree in data science to use our platform. Um, and uh, so, yes, yeah, so WordNerds is very much uh, so. And, and Pete was like, yeah, WordNerds, that's that's the one that we should go for. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so it was. But yeah, we, we, we thought of all kinds of weird techno babble names that uh, I'm delighted ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all say you picked a very good one. Very good name, very memorable. So um, obviously we're, we're in a bit of a weird world. Obviously I don't want to bang on about pandemic and all that horribleness, but um, what kind of culture exists at Word Nerds and how did you establish? And then a follow up from that, how did it continue when you've shifted to working from home? Yes, it, it's a brilliant question. So so yeah, culture wise, I think we, 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 again, we got really lucky because we had this, we started out with this group of people who all kind of knew each other. Um, uh, I think that what we've been trying to do, um, recently, which has been a really, um, interesting and, and valuable time is to start to devolve more and more of the kind of the decision-making and the, um, uh, the, the way in which WordNurse is presented to the, the kind of the, the, the layer of management that we now have. Um, and that's obviously a big, um, a big moment. Cause I think, you know, at, at, at the start, when it's just the founders, then it's very easy to keep control of the culture. Um, and now it's become something that, that, that belongs to everybody. Um, so, so working on that is really difficult. We've also been really lucky with the, the, the staff that we've got. Um, but I think, you know, I think 
it's very easy to be um to have a good culture when everything's going well when sales are rolling in when um uh you know when when the the technology's working first time and all that sort of stuff i think the and you're absolutely right to say that um the the, the challenges that we've got now are challenges that we again talk about things we couldn't have predicted five years ago um and i think the so yeah so it's obviously different now we're we're lucky in that we have a business that you know people can just take their laptops home and keep working at um but we've worked hard on um things like ensuring that um we we meet people we 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 meet as an organization regularly um during the first lockdown uh we were very conscious of um people's uh mental health and and people unwinding we found that nobody wanted to take any holiday because why would you 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 all go and have a little trip to my living room instead of my, my kitchen um that that didn't so we we gave everybody an extra two days of holiday um on the condition that they used it over the next three months um so that they so that they didn't feel like they were wasting holiday days but they were still kind of taking time to unwind um the uh we we're kind of now in an interesting situation obviously as things are starting to open back up um we've been talking a lot i think you guys you guys know we, we're actually i think we're we're kind of roomies in the same building aren't we so um we're in, in the, the proto building in gateshead um and we've been talking a lot about do we still want that space because it's a it's a big space a really lovely space and, and a gorgeous building um but and and i think we've we've kind of come down on the on the, the side that we do want that we do still want that kind of space for people to to to, to come be involved in but i think most people are going to do some sort of blended working that uh, um that we wouldn't have seen but i think yeah i think um again you can't you know i think you can abs i absolutely can't take credit for the culture of workers i think that that is the responsibility of everybody there um and but you know we, we can kind of build a framework that helps people to interact with each other and, and care about each other i suppose yeah i, th I think from my point of view because we did um camp out in the office across from word nerds for a while and when you walk on past from one angle you see people working hard but then you also see a pool table which i think just perfectly reflects <laughs> what word nerds is it, it's it's professional but you know there's there's that uh, flexibility to be relaxed at work and have a bit of fun here and there that's that's one thing five years have been on, been by that pool table now and i'm still no good at pool i don't know how that's happened but uh, <laughs> i've shown no improvement whatsoever it's quite far down for me though so does word nerds have a, a sort of competition going is anyone like really really good is there a record the leaderboard <laughs> oh man i mean there uh there's there's kind of there's definitely debate as to who's the best hmm. one of one of our um uh developers an amazing developer uh mark um is absolutely incredible and absolutely terrible like the the best pool shots i've ever seen like like on on tv or anything like unbelievable pool shots and then the worst shots I've ever seen. So depending on what day you catch him, he might be the best. But I think again, Pete would uh, would definitely put his hat in the ring there as well. I think when we're all allowed, Word Nerd should have a, a proto pool competition. See Ooh. who's see who's good. I'm That's terrible, so I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to uh, to do that. Yeah, we'll see who the who the Word Nerds perch it. Uh, champion is <laughs> get a little uh, plastic gold cup or something <laughs> yeah you're on you're on <laughs> brilliant we'll write that one down um so a bit about on yourself obviously you're talking about uh, your team being um working from home they don't want to take holidays and things like that what about you how do you, how do you relax what are your hobbies and 
generally how do you switch off from the nerd with words it's a it's a great question i don't think i'm very good at it um i would i would like to get better um i think the um my main kind of out of work stuff revolves around um being outwitted by my two children um which is always really fun they're nine and seven now um and are um the funniest human beings that i've ever met um uh so that, so that takes up a lot of my time. We've recently got uh, we've got a lockdown puppy. Um, so we've recently um, uh, uh, got a little little poodle, um, who again is uh, absolutely gorgeous, but quite uh, quite time consuming. Um, I do a bit of I still you know um, the 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 kind of like I say I was always really into literature and stories and stuff, and I still when I have time kind of um, I'm I'm really into kind of um, Things like Scottish mythology and that kind of thing. Um, as uh, we're, we're recording this in the week that Scotland are playing England at the uh, at the Euros, so you can imagine I'm in a fervour of Scottishness at the moment. Um, uh, this is the first day of the week my face hasn't been painted blue. But no, I think um, I think nil nil at half time. I think um, Scotland will concede two late goals, and it'll be absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think England have a good team. I'm, 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 I'm quite a quite an easy to support team, which hasn't always been the case. So um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm not as kind of anti English as uh, as some Scotland fans. Yeah, I think the PR job on the England team this year has been spot on. Everyone's likable in the team, which I don't know how I feel, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the awkward England versus Scotland question out the way. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to um yourself what in your business journey what's been your most satisfying moment would you say outside of the obvious of of building a great company such as WordNerds? oh man um i think that there there have been a few really really satisfying moments there's been some amazing moments so um uh pete and i going to slush i don't know if you you've heard of this this it's the big kind of it's a huge startup festival in um in helsinki um and tech nation um who again that would be one of our our, our big moments um would, was being um added to their list of um uh of um applied ai companies uh, so we were in their cohort of of ai startups with uh, with a huge amount of potential um and part of that was that we went to we went to slush um we got to um kind of represent the uk there if you like um pete and i ended up um uh on stage singing 500 miles by the proclaimers um, at the time there were a fair few videos uh floating around yeah um this is this is uh quite embarrassing but the yeah the um the karaoke machine so i, do, I don't know if you know this but finland is like super into its karaoke it's like really kind of one of their one of their big um uh one of their big leisure pursuits so we'd been to a karaoke bar the night before with the rest of like the, the technician crew with some amazing companies in there. Um, and P and I ended up uh, singing that. Um, and then the next day we were at this, and it is like a proper kind of kind of festival atmosphere, right? So so the the it's all kind of huge stages, big screens kind of thing. Um, and then at the end of the last day, that stuff goes away, and there were like crazy um, electro bands on and that kind of thing. And there was one stage that was karaoke, and so we went to have a look at that stage. 
Um, and then the karaoke machine broke. So no, so there was no like, um, no, you couldn't, the, 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 you could, the music wasn't playing or anything. And so um, the guy there asked, does anybody know a song that, uh, um, that people, uh, that, that they could just sing into the microphone while we're trying to get this working again? And obviously our entire cohort pointed at me and Pete and we're like, they'll do the Proclaimers. Um, so we got kind of the stage. There must have been, I don't want to overplay it, but there must have been 300 people there. Um, and we sang, um, uh, we sang an a cappella version of, of 500 Miles. Um, uh, Pete doing the most laughable Scottish accent you've ever heard. <laughs> um, and then we're getting that it's kind of the, it's in this big kind of um, uh, expo center, kind of a little bit out of town and on the tram back into the center of Helsinki. Um, packed, obviously, people leaving the place. This guy next to me went, uh, Finnish guy, I assume, because people from the world went, Hey, man, you're going to do it again? And I was like, This is hours later. I was like, What are you talking about? And he, are you going to do it again? And then he went, And I would walk five hundred. And we got the whole, um, uh, and the whole tram started singing that. Um, so, yeah, so what was your question again? <laughs> My best moment in. Um, I don't care about the question, but I absolutely <laughs> love the answer. It was, oh man, that, so that was very special. Um, I think. There's a couple of moments that, that um, right back at the very start, uh, Leeds University were the first university to actually buy something from me. And that was huge. That was like, uh, oh, my, maybe there is, maybe this is something that I could just do rather than having to, because I fully expected to be like three months and then sheepishly going to look for jobs again. Um, so that was huge. Um, and then um, the, I guess the other one would be the Dynamites, the, the first um, time Word Nerds won a Dynamite Award. Um, we all went, we took a bunch of our customers, um, and I just remember looking around the faces of, firstly, our customers. So there are people there from Sage and from Tommy Tippy, um, from uh, um, the various branches of government. Um, like really big organizations. And then looking at the faces of every single person who was there from WordNerds and thinking every single one of those people is somebody who's on the top of their game, who's really bringing something, who is doing stuff that I would not know how to do. And that felt like, whoa, this is an actual, this is an actual thing now. Um, so, so yeah, so um, yeah, one of those three, I suppose. I, I've got to say, I think the Helsinki Agapella concert beats all of them <laughs> fair enough fair enough but well, you didn't hear us singing i would do it now but i guess that would be like a copyright issue so i won't <laughs> so has there been any challenges for you uh, obviously you talk about mental health but is there anything let's say in the pandemic that you've really had to overcome to you know dial in back into your, your day to day yeah man, i think the two are connected i think i think it is a um, it's been a difficult time for a lot of people mental health wise. And I think, um, that's, I've, I've definitely, um, experienced that and I've definitely sensed it in, in, in people around me. I think, I think people just generally, it is a huge change to how we're living our lives. And that's, that's obviously gonna, gonna affect how you are and how you are, um, and, and, and how your kind of business operates and that kind of thing. So we've, we've tried to make it as clear as possible to everyone involved that it's okay not to be okay. Um, and I think that's why I'm kind of, you know, immediately started blabbing about this stuff is that I think it's important to, 
um, to, for want of a better word, lead by example in that regard. Um, I think um, if there's one thing I definitely can lead by example with, it's the fact that it's okay not to be okay. And um, so, yeah, so I think that I think that that change is definitely, particularly at the start of, of lockdown, where um, a lot of us were also moonlighting primary school teachers. Um, I think that is a um, a huge thing to ask of anybody. And it was, you know, it, it was a, it, it, it happened at a really kind of unfortunate time for for word nerds when it kind of we 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 kind of got to that momentum point. We were hitting our targets. It was all kind of um, uh, going in a really great direction. Um, some of our um, key customer bases had to change really quickly. Um, so one of the areas that uh, we'd historically done really well in was rail, because uh, rail companies are obviously really keen to understand their passengers and understand how um, what the kind of the key um, challenges are and how they can improve their service. So we've done really well in in, in rail and you know um, still have some really great uh, customers in that area. Um, but it you know it, it very quickly became an area where people weren't spending money because for obvious reasons because there was no money coming in. Um, so we did have to kind of think on our feet quite a lot during the pandemic, um, and and those kind of so those kind of challenges were definitely there as well. Um, we've talked a bit about the uh, about the um, the kind of cultural aspects of that as well, but I, I, I do think that yeah, I think it's a, a, a lot of the as hard as it's been, I think a lot of the, the really positive, um, you know, non-proclaimers moments that I've had over the years um, have come in these last couple, because I think people have, and not just the word nurse, but I think across the sector and across the, um, uh, across the, the, the Northeast, as far as I can see, people have been really looking after each other. And they have been really trying to um, help each other through what's been a really um, difficult time. And I think uh, so that's been quite inspiring, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been, it's definitely been challenging as well as it has been for absolutely everybody, I suppose. Yeah. I think for us, it was more about realizing the power of teamwork mm -hmm. and I think communication throughout this whole thing. It's been so, so important. You've yeah. made some great points there as well. Oh man. So, um, we've obviously, we've, we've, we've taken VC money, right? So we are. Um, that puts us on a path that people have invested in us because, yeah, exactly, because they're expecting um, to eventually capitalize on, on what they've done there. And when you take VC money, you are signing up to that. And that is um, really exciting. I, I, I love our funders. I think that they're amazing. Um, they've been incredibly um, supportive in this process. Um, so, yeah, so I think, I think um, if, you, if, you know, um, the, the likelihood is that we are exiting at some point, but I, I, you know, exiting doesn't necessarily mean exiting the organization. You can still work there. And I think, um, uh, certainly in the foreseeable, I, um, I love what I do. I think it's a really interesting problem. The problem of language, we've not really sort of spoken about, about that yet, but, um, I think, uh, the thing that, that I really love about what I do is that language is such an endlessly um, exciting and frustrating and beautiful and human thing. Um, and we're trying to teach computers how to understand it, which I think, and, and I think that problem, if we, if, you know, and we're getting closer and closer, and if we can nail that, then that can mean so many exciting things for 
um, uh, for the world and for business and for, for everything. Um, so that problem is not, it's, it's, it's certainly not one I'm getting bored of. That's really exciting. Um, longer term, I think, um, uh, I don't know, you know, um, like I say, um, I, I kind of started in, um, uh, at a uni, I could see myself, you know, one day going back and learning more about the kind of the, the uh, those things in that environment. Um, I do, you know, um, I want to maintain a good work-life balance. I want to be able to, um, uh, you know, see my, um, uh, you know, my kids kind of, I want to be as, as involved in their lives as I can be. Um, I want to, you know, go and see Scotland beat England eventually uh, football. So that's also on the list. Um, so, yeah, so I think, I think um, the, I, I can't see myself moving too far from that specific thing around words and stories, I suppose, which is always what's got me, got me going. Um, but it is, a, um, it is definitely kind of, there's, there's definitely um, uh, lots of, of challenges within that that are really exciting. But word nerds is, is absolutely my priority. Uh, our, our word nerds baby yeah so I think it is a um, there, there are a few different kind of different ugly baby kind of situations we've had there we definitely get ugly baby with people who have done something in you know in in a in a more kind of analog way for a long time um, and I think that that can be that can definitely be something where it's like well you know why do you need a fancy AI system to do this when I can just read through it kind of thing and that's something I've had kind of from the from the start when I was looking at this in in terms of literature um people used to say oh if only there was some way of uh, um getting information from books and stories have you thought about reading the books and stories um and obviously in, in the in the in the main we're kind of we're looking at, at at um sizes of data sets that are too big to do that with right we're kind of you know when you're getting thousands upon thousands of of um, tweets or server responses um, or emails a day, um, sending a, a, a human to read them all will A, be the most boring job in the history of the world, um, but also will, um, uh, you will get issues with bias. You will get, you know, every human being looks at the world through their own, from their own perspective and they're, if they're looking for something in the data, they'll find it. So we definitely get that. We definitely get uh, that kind of thing. I think there's, there's definitely been a few people as well that have, um, uh, certainly when, when we've kind of gone to London to meet investors and certainly when Pete went to, um, San Francisco to meet the investors, wow. I think, uh, which, yeah, he, he, he bagsied that trip pretty fast. We've, we've had a certain amount of, um, well, obviously if you're serious about this, you'll move to London or you're serious about this, you'll move to the golden kind of triangle. Um, so I think, I think there's, there's, there, we've, we've had, we've had elements of that. Um, and then some people that just don't get it. I mean, I think that's totally totally legitimate is, is some people just like, yeah, um, it, 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 I think you're absolutely right that um, you can't take that personally and you can't um, try to, you know, try to change their minds on it or to, to um, force them into thinking that it's good. I think you just, as long as there are enough people who are, who really get it and, and we've been really lucky there, um, then I think, yeah, you, you, you progress as you're, as you're kind of, kind of wanting to, but, but yeah, I think we, we definitely, it's, it's definitely hard when it's your baby. We're still talking to the so so we we All got right. our we got our seed funding um in 2015 i think where are we now oh no sorry no it's way later than that 
um, 20, sort of 18 months ago. 19, Sorry, I still, I still think it's 2017. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so so we got we got our seed funding a couple of years ago. Um, we're probably looking to do a Series A raise um, end of this year, start of next year. So it'll be at that point that we're kind of um, uh, dusting off the old phone book and seeing whether this kind of stuff will happen in practice. Um, I think, being honest, I think we would rather um, go for uh, UK funding at the moment um, without ruling anything out, and obviously. You don't want to to generalize about any of these things, but I think what what we did find was that a lot of the Silicon Valley investors are have very much the get rich or die trying. The they either want you to be the the biggest thing in the world or you know destroy yourselves trying to be that because they're they're looking for the unicorn, they're looking for the one in a hundred kind of thing, and that means that ninety nine will will go by the wayside for them. Um, whereas Obviously, what we're about is building a sustainable um, uh, business that makes a big difference, particularly in the Northeast. But yeah, um, that'll be kind of when we when we kind of find out. But we've had lots of really great conversations with um, uh, with VC companies across Britain and 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 in other places as well. And um, so I definitely don't want to kind of overgeneralize. And I hope I haven't just talked myself out of a big. Uh, I bet there's a guy in San Francisco right now going, "Ah, oh, that was that was going to be. We were just going to send the offer in, but." Uh, no, no. Again, I think I think it is entirely so. So that yeah, they they're built for this hyperinflated kind of kind of way of doing things. So they'll when they see a, a company that they think could be that unicorn, they will pump a lot of money into them. Um, but then that's on the understanding that you will, you know, know, yeah, absolutely, and or you will, you know, you will spend all their money and um, and if it doesn't work out, then that's it and you're done. Um, uh, and that is completely, I, I completely understand why that's the, the system out there. Um, but yeah, so, so, so it, it is all kind of as with so many things with our dear American friends, it's kind of, um, everything's kind of bigger that the stakes are bigger and the, um, and the potential money is bigger. And, but, but that's, that's not to say that you, that I think the, there are some incredible startups in the UK and some startups that have raised incredible sums of money. Um, so there definitely is that. Um, and you know, and things like North Star, which has, um, uh, which and you know, absolutely were, were, were the right people for us, and we kind of got in at their kind of maximum levels. So they kind of um, they invested um, uh, and, and then got in some angel investors around us, around them to to kind of to to, to add a little bit, um, a little bit more, and that kind of worked really well for us. But yeah, I mean, like I say, I think it is it's a case of your ambition and your you know, and I think you're, uh, you're the, the, the level of pressure that you're, you're wanting to put on yourself. No, brilliant. I think that leads nicely into my next question, Steve, is that you personally, do you have any pearls of wisdom for startups? Um, for like, for like VC startups or just generally startups? Um, let's say someone just starting out the, they've got a small team. So yeah. So first of all, um, please take everything I say with the, the, biggest grain of salt in the world. Um, I've only ever done this once. I think I probably only ever likely to do this once. I can definitely see like some of our devs are going to be really great CTOs and Pete, uh, you know, yeah, it's possible that, 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 that this, this for me is, you know, it's, it's not often that a, um, that a, a tech startup requires a linguist. This is, I, I'm basically useful in this one and that's it. 
Um, so uh, this is going to be my only time doing um, the startup thing. So um, I would definitely not. There are definitely people that are way better to listen to than me. And I think that would be my kind of main piece of advice is listen to people um, and ask them the questions because people are generally really pretty generous with their time um, and uh, certainly with their with their, their knowledge. Um, I think that the big thing about getting funding for us was not just the funding, it was the board. It was the fact that we got a chair in, um, we got uh, the people who invested, um, and they have done things that um, uh, are absolutely incredible in, 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 in the VC world and in business generally. And so we've got this kind of monthly thing where all these people, um, we sit around with these people and they, we tell them our problems and they give us advice on them. And that is, um, and there's all sorts of um, frameworks for that. Um, and I, but I think I think sometimes the hardest thing is just listening and taking it on because I think when it's you again we're back to the ugly baby thing of when it's your baby and you love it and you feel you know entirely kind of um, uh, you feel so kind of beholden to it, it it can then be hard to say if someone tells you you're going in the wrong direction to to listen so I think I think listening to people who've done it before um, if you are looking to get um, venture capital funding I'd recommend having those conversations early. Um, there are a few practical things about that, like the um, there's a variety of different kind of tax dodges that people get um, if they invest in kind of newly started up companies. So I think your first couple of years are your best time, or certainly for the um, for the funders, that's the time when they can invest in you with pretty minimal risk. Yeah. So all that stuff is, um, uh, uh, so definitely um, look into that. Um, and do, um, you, but you will have a relationship with, those people they, it is it is a bit of a marriage um and so trust your gut with the people as well if you feel like this isn't somebody i could work with um then it doesn't matter how much money they're offering you that that will be something that will become a big problem um and again we've been incredibly lucky there and then finally i think you know be you know, if you have an interest in becoming a bigger team because I think there's absolutely nothing wrong and this was going to be my plan there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a small company forever that is an entirely brilliant and noble thing to do but if you do want to that growth thing then again thinking early about who and how you're going to pass on the stuff that you currently do so you start off by wearing all the hats in your business or you and a couple of other people and then gradually you start to take off those hats and because they don't know the the business as well you know because uh, you know you're bringing them in you'll feel like oh i'm not sure about giving up this hat this is my favorite hat <laughs> uh but that is the that's the kind of the the most exciting thing about my job now is seeing people who now because they have the time to focus on it are doing those things are wearing those hats way better than i did yeah. um and i think doing that early understanding getting that next level of management right is absolutely pivotal and it and it takes it takes time away from the stuff that you you know it takes time away from selling and from building things and from that because because you have to focus on getting those people up to speed so it feels like you suddenly start moving slower but then when you get through that all of a sudden you've got this team that can do things that you can't and that's that's incredibly exciting so one, one of the things that we um we have is, is what we call the swan matrix so the the, the things that so when, when we're having uh when we have an interview with someone we'll we'll talk about um, were they a swan? And swan is smart, works hard, 
ambitious and nice tick off those boxes then you know ultimately we kind of we kind of want to hire you like it's, it's it doesn't necessarily um you know role is is like you say is is and it's and you do need structure you do need people and, and allowing people to focus on what they're good at but um but i think uh you know finding those people that are going to be that kind of next wave because it's very easy to when you've just got you and your co-founders it's very easy to have that that level of of, of standard but but that next level coming in is the one that's going to take your business to to yeah. to, to really grow and and people that that, that approach life differently to you and people because you know i've got me um i've got pete like you know we've we, we've got those skills i think and and, and that background so I think bringing people that have um, uh, that look at the world slightly differently to you is also um, is also really valuable. Yeah. So, Steve, I just got two more questions, and they're a bit lighthearted. Um, take your background with words being ling- linguistics, word nerds, and everything. What would you call your memoirs if you ever write them? Oh, damn it! Um, tall stories. One night uh, in Helsinki. Uh, <laughs> one night in Helsinki. 500 miles to Helsinki. Um, no, I don't know. Um, oh, these are all great. Um, I don't know. I've, we, we, we've talked over a, over a BRP and I've talked about um, uh, writing a book after Word Nerds. Um, and it's either going to be called How to Learn from Our Amazing Success or What to Learn from Our Ridiculous Failure. Um, so it'll be one of those. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll find out which one in due course, I suppose. Oh, it's a good can't question. Wait, can't wait. Can't wait for the pre-order. There we go. Uh, I'd love to get Pete on the podcast as well. I think if, if we get yourself back as well, we can do a really a great special. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, no, that sounds good. Brilliant. And the last one, uh, Steve, is where can people connect with you online? Um, really? So, uh, again, you'll be nice to get here. So, um, I'm on Twitter at Stevie the Giant, um, uh, all one word. And um, if you um, are interested in any of the um, text analysis stuff that we do, then it's wordnerds.ai. Good stuff. And that, that, I think that'll yeah. be the end of the podcast there, Steve. So thank you very much for your time um, from myself. This has been the Purchase Podcast, and thank you.